Hi, welcome to the Platinum Business Break. We're so glad you're here. The Platinum Business Break is sponsored by Platinum Business Consulting. Hey, and just for those of you who've followed our podcast for a while, we're just going to really rebrand this. We call ourselves the Platinum Community, but hey, we talk about business. So we thought, let's rebrand it to the Platinum Business Break. That way, you know, it may attract some more people. And we always talk about business, so it makes sense. Anyway, we're going to cover maybe some top headlines for the day or for the week. We'll also cover some controversial topics, and I'll have an occasional guest on the show. We'll talk about those topics or kind of what's happening in business. So anyway, this is really meant to be fun, light, and just, again, a break from your business week. So that's what it is. It's the Platinum Business Break. Hey, and I'm going to jump in today. We're going to do just some headlines that caught my attention um, this weekend. And today is October 23rd. It's a Sunday, and I was perusing the internet and found you know various topics that I thought, hmm, that's interesting. I think I'll pass on to our our group, our people, our peeps. Okay. The first one that caught my attention was uh, Dateline, October 17th, 2022, and the title is called "Detoxing from a Bad Job." And again, the source on that is Melody Wilding. Uh, with the Harvard Business Review. Again, the title was Detoxing from a Bad Job. Wow, I can relate to that. Who has had a terrible job or terrible experience? And it's like, you know, it's taken you years to get over that bad experience. Anyway, I I can relate to that. I think most of us can. So here's a couple of uh, highlights from the article. I'm just going to read up. Escaping the onslaught of stress that comes from working in a dysfunctional situation can be a boon to your well-being. Preach it, sister. But fully letting go to the effects of a toxic workplace can be difficult. And again, this is uh, uh, the article uh, with Melody Wilding. She goes on to say, In my work as an executive coach, I've witnessed countless intelligent, capable professionals struggle to recover from the unpredictability, fear-mongering, even the bullying they endured. They sometimes carry hypervigilance and reactivity into their next role, which affects their performance and enjoyment. Hey, I can't argue with that. So here's a couple of things that she pointed out to kind of combat that. Number one, you got to find closure. Uh, The article continues, you may harbor resentment towards those who mistreated you, or perhaps you could replace situations and conversations over and over in your head, wondering what you could have done or said differently. True. I can't argue with that either. So um, again, find closure in in that situation. Again, I talked to many people, especially recently, who've either been laid off or with the specter of being laid off, found new jobs, and you know they're carrying a lot of baggage with them. Yeah. So the advice here is find closure, let it go, so you can enjoy your next job, right? So again, the article goes on to say a few more things about take control what you can. Um, you know, plan for triggers. What's going to trigger you in your new new job? You know, maybe some behaviors you recognize from your old job you start seeing those in your new job. You have to plan to, to, to deal with those, right? Because that's reality. And also savor the positive moments from your last job. Think of all the wins, think of all the successes, and that'll help get you over the hump and maybe find some closure to your bad, toxic workplace that you just left. Anyway, man, I thought that was really interesting. And again, I go back to management, leadership, and culture. If we had good leadership, if we had good management, if we had great culture. And this is one of the main reasons people leave a job because it is toxic and, you know, they have options. Even in a tight economy, they're willing to roll the dice and do something different just to get away from a toxic environment. You know, I hope you find that one enjoyable. I did. It's pretty cool. All right, we're going to go to the next topic. Okay, and the next one, I thought this was pretty, this is more of a, more of a pop culture type of 
uh, news article, but uh, the, the headline was Red Bull Owner Dead. This was Dateline Today. Uh, when I'm filming this, uh, October 23rd, 2022, the source is foxbusinessnews.com, and the article goes on to say, uh, Red Bull owner and co-founder Dietrich Mateschitz, who once claimed to drink 10 to 12 cans of the beverage, that's Red Bull, every day has died at the age of 78. Well, according to latest U.S. statistics, the average life expectancy of the U.S. male is about 79 or 80 years old, so he almost made it. Guess Red Bull didn't make that big of a difference if he was living here in the U.S. Uh, Mateschitz accrued an estimated fortune of $24.65 billion, wow, throughout his career and was widely known as the richest man in Austria, Rudders reported on Sunday. He passed away following a battle with cancer on Saturday. Uh, he built the Red Bull brand from merely an energy drink to the multi-billion dollar cultural giant that it is today, sponsoring high-octane sports events, both fringe and mainstream, across the globe. The article continues, Red Bull first entered the global markets in 1987 after modifying the recipe for a Thai energy, as in Thailand, Thai energy drink, but the company wouldn't break into the U.S. market until 1990. And, I, you know, I didn't realize that Red Bull had been around that long, but I'm not a consumer of energy drinks, so that would make sense. But for those of you who drink Red Bull, uh, it's been around since the 90s in the U.S. While the company had a rocky start, it soon entered a stride and enlisted an Austrian marketing company that eventually coined the company's famous slogan, Red Bull gives you wings, according to Rudder's news agency. So today, the company sells nearly 10 billion cans annually, which a third of that is sold in the U.S. That's pretty amazing. Well, anyway, uh, you know, uh, rest in peace, uh, Dietrich, and hopefully you got your wings. That's all I'm saying. Okay, we're going to go on to the next uh, article that caught my attention this weekend. You know, and I thought this was pretty neat because you know, I'm planning some travel coming up, and I think most of us, especially in business, we are doing the occasional uh, airfare, or some of us may be, you know, warriors, we're, we're air warriors, we're always on an airplane. And the headline is this, cheap airfares are hard to find, and it might not get much easier in 2023. And this was by Leslie Josephs on CNBC.com. So the article says, between staffing shortages, aircraft delays, and airlines' conservative schedules after costly travel meltdowns, available seats are limited. Airlines are also passing along higher fuel prices and other costs to customers, keeping ticket prices elevated. But travelers, at least so far, are still willing to pay the price. Uh, here's a quote from Scott Keyes, founder of Flight Deal, a site Scott's Cheap Flights. He says, holiday flights are going to be expensive once again. The pricing power has shifted back to the airlines for the winter holiday travel. So uh, those of you who fly, it's going to be expensive. In fact, I kind of uh, did a little check on my own. Just compared uh, a flight that I took almost a year ago. Uh, yeah, it's almost 50% uh, higher than it was a year ago um, with kind of the same booking. I always try to book early, about three, four weeks or, or more early to get to get a good deal. Um, so anyway, that's interesting, I thought. So airfare is going to go up, so you're going to have to plan accordingly uh, to your budget, your travel budgets for 2023. All right, next article I found. Uh, last one here, and this is uh, and again, more pop culture. Uh, the headline is Elon Musk may cut 75% of Twitter jobs. For those of you who you know, might have just lived under a rock for the last few years, may or may not know that Elon Musk, you know, of Tesla, of Tesla fame, he, he's going to, not the band Tesla for, for all my 80s friends, uh, but the Tesla 
the EV electric vehicle, um, he's buying Twitter. And apparently, uh, long story short, he's going to buy it, wasn't going to buy it. Now it looks like he's it's back on again. He's going to buy it. So the headline says, Musk may cut 75% of Twitter jobs. So the article says, Twitter is likely to shed a significant portion of its workforce as it plans to pare back its payroll by $800 million by the end of 2023, according to documents obtained by the Washington Post. Why the cuts are likely, whether Tesla CEO Elon Musk's takeover goes through or not, Musk told investors that he would get rid of 7,500 Twitter workers, that's about 75% of the staff, leaving a skeleton team of 2,000 employees. Following the report, Twitter general counsel Sean Edgett told employees that the company is not planning layoffs. Hmm. Musk's $44 billion purchase of the social media platform is expected to close by Friday, uh, October 28th. So that's interesting. Hmm. Anyway, all right, now we're going to wrap this up with, uh, and that's not necessarily a news article, but I think a lot of us, again, in business, we're aware of, uh, you know, are we in recession? Are we not in recession? Is a recession coming up? I mean, I personally think we're kind of in one. I think uh, 2023 might be kind of tough, might be kind of dicey, depending on politics. But uh, this last uh, thing I wanted to cover, it was a headline on LinkedIn News, and this was by Bobby Armstrong, layoffs latest, companies making the cut. And again, I'm just going to kind of read through a few of the companies. Um, say layoffs have been at the forefront of the turbulent 2022 for U.S. workers, thanks primarily to the shadow of a potential recession. Cuts by tech companies, uh, Crunchbase News says 42,000 tech workers were laid off through mid-September, and that has kind of taken uh, over the headlines, but no sector has gone unaffected. Cost-cutting has become common too. Meta, uh, which is Facebook, Google, Walmart, and FedEx are just a few of the big names to announce streamlining moves. However, a LinkedIn workforce confidence survey shows that only 31% of U.S. workers are concerned about their company is planning a budget cut or laugh. Well, I think, you know, all of us who are, you know, employed by a company need to be concerned about that. So, uh, yeah, 31%, that's kind of low. I think it, I thought it would be higher. So, sounds like some people aren't paying attention, but hey, that's what happens in business. Again, some of the firms that are announcing layoffs in December, uh, Microsoft, which is LinkedIn's parent company, uh, I didn't actually know that, uh, laid off about a thousand employees across multiple divisions, Axios reported. A computer software company and maker of SurveyMonkey, Momentum AI, announced an unspecified number of layoffs in a post on LinkedIn. A cloud tech giant Oracle laid off 201 employees at its Redwood City, California office. Customer Relationship Management, or CRM platform, Salesforce cut an unspecified number of employees, according to protocol. Weight loss app Noom laid off employees for the second time this year, cutting about 500 of the staff the majority in the coaching side. Media giant Gannett, you know, that's the big publisher who does a lot of uh, newspapers, USA Today, for example, is cutting costs by having employees taking a week of compulsory unpaid leave, offering voluntary buyouts and temporary suspending 401k contribution matches. Chipmaker giant Intel is planning thousands of job cuts, Bloomberg reports, as sales of personal computers continue to plummet. Warner Brothers Discovery laid off more than 80 employees and said those were included in 125 open positions that won't be filled. Discovery, or the Discovery Channel, laid off about 100 employees, mostly in its advertising sales unit. General Electric is slashing hundreds of jobs 
as its onshore wind turbine unit in the U.S., according to anonymous sources. Oh, and the poor Peloton. Peloton, the, I guess the, you know, the, that was kind of the cool thing during the pandemic, but Peloton is now cutting staff for a fourth time this year, the latest round affecting about 500 employees or 12% of its workforce. San Francisco-based digital document signing platform DocuSign got 9% of its staff, about 670 employees. Wells Fargo laid off 36 workers and has cut more than 400 staff in its home mortgage division in central Iowa since April. And again, that would make sense since uh, the housing market with interest rates and all that is kind of going uh, the other direction. And lastly, The Gap, uh, again, retailer The Gap cut 500 corporate positions. Anyway, that's kind of a roundup on the latest layoffs. So uh, hopefully you're not part of that if you are. Um, you know, you got to get on LinkedIn, you got to get your resume up, and you got to get busy. Hey, maybe start your own business. That's not a bad idea either. Um, anyway, that's the latest. So I, I hope you enjoyed kind of our rebranding, uh, the Platinum Business Break. Again, next time I may have a guest and may have a controversial topic we'll cover. Anyway, we're going to try to keep these fairly short. Again, this is just a business break just to keep you updated on a few interesting news items that I'm following or that caught my attention for the week, and hopefully they did yours too as well. Anyway, again, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching if you're watching on YouTube, and we hope you have a great week, and we will see you next time. Bye.